Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night with Brody and Hunter. We got some uh, hot topics on the dock here, but Brody, you're bringing the polo game yet again. Well, okay, we're, we're rocking the puffins tonight. Okay, this is one of my all-time favorite shirts. Um, I feel like I've I've worn it on one date with Kelsey, and that was the final the final date. I don't think it will ever be worn in sight. Um, <laughs> she was not a fan of the puffin shirt, but if you are, let me know because I think I think the puffins. Here we go, a little close up there. I mean, look at this thing. Yeah, it's like a flying flying penguin. How can you not like it? Yeah, I mean, I we, I didn't get the memo. I I guess from from now on, I'm I'm gonna be rocking some polos too. I guess I, I have mean, to do what you do what you have to. Um, how's how's the move going on over there? Are we completely done? Completely yeah, moved in? We are completely moved in. We still got to get a few things set up, kind of the way we want it in the new space. But um, yeah, we're completely moved in. All that's left at the old place is just some cardboard boxes and I think like a table or two that we still kind of gotta move over but they're not stuff we use every day so uh not super urgent there but i'm excited yeah. to hear that because we currently are in the process of moving and the last thing i want to do is get up there and you'd be like hey man we we need you to help move some more stuff no no we we Cause... completed the move and uh, we completed all of the necessary move in about two maybe two and a half days Okay. And, and then it's just been kind of getting organized, figuring out exactly how we want the new warehouse to be laid out and Heck yeah. the flow of everything, making sure we have enough space to grow too, because we don't want to pack the shelves right now and then a shipment come in and we're like, where the heck are we putting this? Because that was kind of what we was happening in the old a, space. Uh, are, we, are we creating a man cave for us in the new warehouse where we can like watch watch coverage and stuff? Or what's the situation there? How's that looking? We, we haven't really worked through that yet, but that's... I think I think Connor and Mai's office can kind of fill that role because it's going to be a very. I, I think it, I think it'll fit that vibe. We can just kind of throw a TV. How up many in TVs? There. Or how many? Yeah, how many TVs are we talking? Right. I heard TV. I didn't hear. I didn't hear plural. Well, we can use our we can use our monitors as multiple, so we could we could technically in that setup have three TVs. Okay. All right. It's it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. That's for we're sure. We're not we're not there. We're, not we're definitely there not there it's yet. It's a work in progress. Um, all right, so just to wrap up some, not wrap up, but just to talk about some things real quick before we dive in here. You guys know I am not afraid to throw out a giveaway, okay? Uh, we are, I looked at the numbers, the amount of people listening to these podcasts that aren't subscribed is unbelievable. So if you're listening to these bad boys or watching them or whatever you may be doing, make sure you are subscribed because we will be doing a giveaway when we hit 15,000 subscribers, and that's one that you're not gonna wanna miss out on. So again, if you haven't yet, click the subscribe button, turn the notifications on, um, and I, I, was, I love reading these reviews. Like that's one of my favorite things to do is go on like Apple Podcasts like every other day and, and check out to see if we have any new reviews. We, we have no new reviews. Mm. There's nothing, there's nothing new. So, I don't, I, I don't want to read an old review, so all I can say is uh, go on the Apple Podcast, uh, drop a review, and we might read it on here for you. And we also are closing in on 300 followers. Let's go. Debate Night Pod on Twitter. Uh, grip Locked, again, Hunter, you're out of this because you're, you know, you've got a little bit, you got a little bit going on in both camps, you know. I, yeah. need, I need a full-fledged 
uh, soldiers in my camp, and and you're kind of you're kind of a captain in both. <laughs> so you need a, you need to step aside. Debate night pod. We're currently losing to Grip Locked on Twitter. So make sure you go over on Twitter, follow the, the debate night pod. And if you haven't yet, make sure you check out our Discord, discord.gg slash foundation disc golf, or you can go on Discord, Discord and search foundation disc golf as well. That is where we're going to be pulling in our live callers. So if you're interested in ever right now when we're doing the show, kind of like this might actually be the last one. Yeah, you'll be moved up here. Yeah. I'm going to be up there on Saturday, potentially. Oh, Saturday, even earlier. Oh, I was thinking no, Monday. To, yeah, Kelsey's trying to make major moves. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, so next week, though, you'll definitely definitely be in, in studio. But uh, apologies to you guys for for uh, my voice. It's it's worse than normal because the allergies have, have hit me at an all-time high. I'm getting dominated, so I cannot wait to get out of Texas. Hopefully you're not because... allergic to anything up here because the fall is always really bad for my allergies up here. I don't, I don't know, know what it is that blooms, but something blooms. We'll see. I'm I'm on that Dayquil Nightquil kind of grind right now. Um, all right, last podcast we talked about the bag and cart. Okay, like, do you carry your bag? Do you push a cart? Have you ever? Have you ever? I don't think I asked this. Have you ever pushed a cart or or dragged a cart? Not for a round. I, I've I've used one. Maybe in for practice. like a hole, not not even a practice round, like a whole a whole max. Just I've I've just like tried someone's out, and that was it. That was it. Wow. I've never I've okay. never gone beyond that. Okay. Um. So I thought it was interesting. I I read one of the comments from last week's pod, and someone said, "Hey man, you need to practice like you play, right? Like you need to, if you're gonna wear a bag in tournaments, you need to be." wearing a bag in practice. And my thought is like, how many other sports do they manipulate or change things in practice compared to what they actually do in play? And um, the answer to that is a lot. Tons of sports do things completely different to be able to get a a crap ton of repetitions, right? Um, But they also do stuff that is going to simulate their actual tournament or their actual gameplay so is it smart to only use a cart all the time and then when you show up to a tournament you throw a bag on and now you're having to do that no but should you only be pushing a cart or wearing a bag if that's what you're going to do absolutely not you look at pro golfers when they do their practice rounds not in tournaments but when they're back at home playing on their private courses or whatnot they're jumping in carts you look at basketball players, football players, whatever. When they are doing practices, they're doing stuff in no pads sometimes. Uh, basketball players, you have like Steph Curry shooting up 30, 40, 50 threes in a row. They're doing things to replicate um, what they're going to do in a game, but it's not exactly the same. So that whole notion of like practice like you're going to play, I agree with it to a, a certain standpoint. Yeah, that's I mean, all I've, I have to say about that. I've always been in the in the camp of like I probably would have been one of those comments of like if you're going to carry a bag, then you need to carry a bag in practice. But yeah, but that's why I, you're I, retired I and I'm still I'm still a pro disc golfer. Valid. Valid. I mean, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> I don't really have much to say to that. Maybe the cart is what I needed this whole no, time. But, 
No, but no, but realistically, like the thing is, is like if you can, like if you go out and play New London, right? Yeah. Back to back rounds while carrying a bag, how exhausted are you? I don't know if I could do back to back rounds in New London. Yeah. So you play one and you're done. Yeah. Where if I told you, hey, try this card out and you play New London and then you wait 10 minutes and then you can go again and you're fine, your shoulder's not killing, your back's not hurting you. Wouldn't you say that's like probably a good idea? I, I think it depends on the type of practice. I guess that's kind of what you're alluding to. Like if yes. I'm just if I'm just getting reps in, absolutely. But if it's tournament yes. week and I'm actually practicing Correct. New London for the tournament, then no, no, no. And that's the same thing. Is like you don't you won't see the the PGA Tour guys driving around their practice rounds. Yeah. Uh, tournament week, they're they're walking and carry you know have their their their. Uh, what is it? The caddies. What the heck? Caddies. Caddies need to have. Now, that's something is if you have a caddy, then sure, use a cart all week because you're not going to be carrying your bag anyways. Yeah, true. Um, other thing I want to say, a lot of people get on me. A lot of people get on me with saying like, you're just trying to turn disc golf into golf, which to be fair, I don't think is necessarily the case. There's There's definitely some things that I think if disc golf did versus if disc golf did that golf did, it probably would improve, but I'm definitely not trying to just like cookie cutter everything over, but I thought it was interesting. The first time I ever went against golf was last podcast. Yeah. With the with two the meter two, rule with the two meter rule that, well, and that kind of, kind of, Oh, well, I mean it, it is, it, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a, pretty it's a uh, slightly black different and white. rule. Though. Explain explain the golf rule. The golf rule is simply like if you cannot address your lie and and take a swing, you have to play unplayable. So your ball's stuck in a tree, you can Sergio Garcia climb the tree and hit it out of the tree, but if you don't feel comfortable climbing the tree or you don't feel like you can actually get up there or in some instances the ball is like in ridiculous grass or like some sort of situation where you feel like even if you s- took a swing at it, it you weren't going to advance it. You can take an unplayable and it's a stroke penalty. Yeah. So I think where I was saying the difference was you have the option of playing the lie. Whereas in disc golf, if the two meter rule wasn't in effect at that tournament, you don't have the option. It's just. Yeah. You stroke. can't climb. Maybe, maybe we should though. Think about that. Would you be for the two-meter rule if you could climb up a tree and throw it out of a tree? I just then you bring in all kinds of liability questions of people getting hurt during tournaments and you signed a waiver. If you, you signed a you waiver, signed sure. your, yeah, you signed your life away. Sure, sure. I mean, that could be electric. That could be something. That could be something. I think a lot more disc golfers would get up in a tree to save a stroke than golfers would get up in a tree to save a stroke. Well, I mean, come on. Throwing a disc yeah, out of a tree is saying. way easier saying, than hitting a golf hanging ball out of a tree. A, <laughs> hanging onto a limb and chucking a little forehand is way more doable than trying to get a seven iron and balance on a tree limb. We might, we might need Trevor to join this stream, this podcast, but only to be like the stats guy or just kind of like there for certain instances. Because like right now, I would love to hear what Trevor would do if he saw Nico hanging from a tree but with one hand and just like monkey swinging throwing now, a forehand now there's a question if your lies on top of the branch could you yeah. hang from said branch without your feet touching the ground and swing does your from foot momentum? does your foot technically have to be your lie i think it has to be a point point of support because like you can lay so you, down behind your okay, lie so you, 
So you could have your hand technically behind your lie. Yeah. And then you could just swing and then just – yeah. It's the same yeah. thing as like leaning in front of your lie for a putt. It's the same thing. That's amazing. And Matt, instead of – that's what we're missing. Instead of jump putts, we need swing putts. Swing putts. <laughs> People just swinging and releasing. Oh, my god! Everyone's just like Tarzan out there yeah. beating their chest, swinging from tree to tree, chucking discs. This, this, could, be un, this could be unreal. I mean, that would get the we viewers just, in yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we just we – just, that's the next level of the game. It's basically like slam ball, yeah, but for disc golf. Exactly. That could be what we're missing. All right, so let's talk real quick about MVP. So MVP went down. You have Katrina Allen taking it down in FPO, and you have Adam Hammies taking it down in MPO. Uh, again, Trevor also literally just – I mean, I would love to hear from the guy because he kind of threw Adam under the bus. Last Grip Locks podcast – he basically said that uh, you know Adam has been underperforming this season, and what does Adam do? He probably listens to the podcast, gets pissed, and goes out there and, and dominates. I will. So, we, we do got to give some credit to Trevor because back in January okay. or February, okay. he he tweeted it and said it on Griplock that Adam Hammes was gonna gonna have a really good season. He was predicting a two Pro Tour win season. Okay, still a possibility if Adam goes back to back. Um, and so, but, but he has won a national tour, which basically had the same field as a pro yeah. tour as well. He did go national, which apparently he's one of four players in the MPO field to have ever done that in the same season, a national tour and a pro tour. He's um, probably the last one to ever do it. If probably. you really want to talk about it. Probably. Uh, so Trevor has been kind of predicting that all year, but he also last week did say for a spelling bee clue, Adam Hammes has not been performing as well as he should be this year. I mean, sometimes you have to Which light, light time, a, a candle at, underneath at someone. At the time, you know? that was another fair. That was another fair statement, because at yeah. that point, Adam hadn't been, and then he went out and won. I mean, sometimes. I mean, that that's that could be what this podcast is all about, and what Griplocked is all about is lighting candles under people that are under, underperforming. Yeah, get them going. So, yeah, if you want to light a candle under me, I'm I'm ready to listen to it at any moment. There we um, go. But MVP brought a lot of a lot of things. We have to unpack here, and I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing what some of the callers have to say about it, because um, this was probably the first tournament outside of Ledgestone a little bit that stream issues were a real real problem. Yeah, and something that was also addressed multiple times that I was watching during the broadcast where they knew. This hole, they had issues. This hole, they had issues. And then you want to talk about the tweet that they posted or, or, or the insider information that we found out about what they were telling spectators on, gr- on the ground? Yeah, apparently they were uh, – and this has been confirmed actually by two or three people now. Uh, that apparently when you were showing up, they were asking you to turn off your mobile data to your phone uh, so that they could have better – so it wouldn't be throttled. Because essentially what was going on – was they had tested it before the event and they were very confident in it, but they had tested it with no one on the grounds. And then you yeah. have a thousand play, a thousand spectators plus players using data, and so it was kind of getting throttled. And then it wasn't as good as they expected. And so they were asking people in the crowd, "Hey, if you could turn your data off, that would greatly help the stream." I mean, there's gonna be a real, there's gonna be a real situation. You know, there's gonna be a real issue because if you think that like the disc golf fans or like the amount of people showing up to these events is going to get smaller. You are, you are dead wrong. My yeah. friend, there's only going to be more and more people. And I made a joke saying like, 
the Disc Golf Pro Tour should just turn into the Masters this tournament and just tell people no phones. And that's something, too, that is interesting because where other sports, so you got like football, basketball, uh, I'm trying to think, soccer, baseball, all these other sports, you'll sometimes see a lot of like cell phone generated footage of some of these sports, right? With Mm -hmm. like people doing stuff in the dugouts, basically stuff where like the broadcast isn't being, isn't filming directly on them. One thing that the PGA tour does is they, they really kind of lock down on sharing any sort of like actual broadcast footage. So when I would do my inside the rope stuff with them and I was able to walk with the players and, and basically be right next to them, uh, away from the crowds, they basically told me, like, you can do whatever you want. You can share whatever you want. You just can't actually share shots. So I can't, like, film Tiger putting his seven-foot putt. I can't film, like, John Rom's drive. I can film John walking to his next ball, uh, his next shot. I can film, like, the conversation between Jordan Spieth and his caddy. I can do all that and post it. But the actual gameplay, they really crack down on, where I think other sports, they don't do that nearly as much. And I always thought that was them kind of missing out on an opportunity of things going viral and just having people share your event. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Disc Golf Pro Tour does moving forward because they clearly have shown that they've had stream issues. And this one was the biggest one because the stream actually dropped. Like yeah. It wasn't like it was blurry and it was hard to see what was going on. It, it just straight up cut out for a couple minutes. And I think... If you're producing a product that is free, it's you're going to get a lot less kickback, pushback. But the fact that people are paying for the product and they're not receiving it, I think that's going to be a bigger issue for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go. And I also it. think the the paywall, it adds, it adds more standards to it. Because like you were yes. saying, if it's free and it's a little laggy even, like not even necessarily the whole, it drops it is what people's. it is. Yeah, it is what it is. We're getting it for free. So on Friday, I think that was the attitude that a lot of people had towards it. But then it was also the attitude of like, I'm glad I didn't pay for this, which I think is really bad yeah. for the Disc Golf Network. But the people who paid for it, uh, you know, the same type of issues were happening early in the week. And that's like almost unacceptable because you're providing people a po- product that they paid for. Mm-hmm. It's got to meet a standard or else people are going to be upset. And especially with the current state of Disc Golf, if you wait a few more hours, there is a product that's not going to have lag and all of that coming out the next day. So when you're competing and you're creating this competition between post produce and live, you can't. If you're live, you cannot have it messing up. That's just a, that's unacceptable. No, especially when it, when people are paying for it. You can't. It's gonna be interesting too to see. Uh, you know, you guys are gonna be on the grounds. I'm gonna be playing at USDGC. It's gonna be interesting <laughs> to see kind of how they go about it. I would imagine um, because- USDGC the internet there will be a lot better. Uh, I, I think imagine. that's the thing is they're, they're able to hook up to the school's internet. I, I like would, hardwired. Yeah, I'd imagine they'll be able to do a lot more stuff on the grounds there to where people aren't going to have to worry about it as much. But it is yeah. something that has to be taken into account because with Northwoods, you know, the stance that we took is on Grip Locked, and I'm sure we would have taken on this podcast, is you can't be playing Northwoods if you can't do live. No, no. Bad, no. like, I mean that's your pro- that's your product. Yeah. Your product is live disc golf, and I think right now more than ever, live disc golf is the most exciting it's ever been because of the field. Yeah. Be- 
in the have two. Am I still there? You're back now. Talking you, about streaming. Last thing you said was the I'm field. Back. I think I think we might oh, be. Let yeah, me get. You're back. Let me let me get up. Hey Janice, can you get off a of Wi-Fi? <laughs> the other thing Thank I was going to say really quick while Brody's figuring the Wi-Fi out is I think the what I was going back to Northwoods is if we hold that standard of like we can't be at Northwoods if the if we can't stream from there, it, it starts bringing into question a lot of other events. And Maple Hill, unfortunately, is going to be one of them. You've you got like the course wise, it's a great course. It's one of the top courses in the world ranked wise. You know, it's something that you want to see on tour. You, you, yeah. You know, all things. If we can get out everything figured out, we're gonna see it on tour. But it's the same type of thing that we're asking a Masters Cup, Northwoods, and now Maple Hill is like, if this cannot be figured out, then what is the next step for the next year? It sounds like, from what I've heard behind the scenes, people are confident it's going to be figured out by next year. They've talked to Verizon and talked to other people mm-hmm. on the grounds there, and they're confident this issue is going to be resolved. But you aren't really going to know until you're testing it the week before the event. And what if it's not? Then, then what do we no, do? I, I agree. It's it's definitely something that they're going to have to work out. They're going to have to think. Hey, quick shout out to the COD Booger. I believe I'm saying that right for the $4.99. The app needs casting before I pay for it. I need to be able to send it from my phone to my garage to my living room as easily as YouTube. Interesting. That's something that's, something that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Because like, I want to. I'm surprised you can't. Yeah, you can't watch it actually on your TV right now. You're either watching it on your You can phone download. They do make iPad. the app for Roku and most smart TVs where you can download oh, they, the Disc Golf Network app. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'll have to look into that. My TV's kind of outdated, so maybe that's why I'm that not might able be. to find it. I have a Roku right. Roku for my TV, and I'm able to get the Disc Golf Network app, and that's how I watch it every week. You're going to have to explain to me how to how Roku works because I've had like 18 different Rokus and we just always just give them away because we don't understand them. But maybe we have to go full Roku when we move up there. It's just like, a, um, okay, never mind. Yeah, well, <laughs> a different time, a different that's place. Not, that's not a debate topic. Okay, um, let's talk real quick about Hole 8. Hole 8 had a couple, a couple things. And I'll bring up my two things with Hole 8 and you can bring up yours so my two things with hole eight maple hill for those that don't know that's the kind of iconic hole where you're throwing it over the water i believe last year it was just over 300 feet i want to say it was like 330 feet kind of an island green not kind of an island green um where the landing area is probably in between circle one and circle two so it's a decent sized landing area um but it's an iconic hole and the first thing I want to talk about is drop zones. So I think one thing that is slightly frustrating to watch and certainly to play is drop zone placement. I am in favor of drop zones that don't bail out players. So if you're going to have a drop zone, which I think more times than not, disc golf needs a drop zone because the reason why golf has very few drop zones is – if you go in the, the water, you're normally on some sort of hill. You're normally in the rough. You, you got probably a terrible lie, and you're not, no one's suspecting to you to make that next shot. And a lot of people aren't even uh, assuming that you're going to be able to get up and down. But in disc golf, there are so many scenarios where you can throw into water, OB, whatever you want to call it, and you can essentially take it to where you're putting 15, 20 feet, 30 feet from the basket, and most people are going to make that. So I think drop zones are very, very important because 
it allows people that throw bad shots to be penalized. But some of these drop zones, hole eight, for example, I know people are going to disagree with me on this because the Disc Golf Pro Tour was blasting it out, talking about how awesome it was. I saw an interview with Steve Dodge talking about how they worked with Simon about putting it in the perfect place. And me personally, I don't think if you have – so hole eight's now a 400-foot shot over water. If you have a shot that you have to throw over water and you don't throw it over water, you shouldn't be bailed out and allowed to not have to throw it over the water. I just, To me, I just will never understand that. I don't like it, and I especially don't like it when I, I commit to the shot and I perfect the shot and someone on my card throws it in the water and they basically walk up to where I landed. I'm only getting one shot and the – big premise is they're held out. They don't have to throw the difficult shot. I want to see people have to throw that difficult shot, regardless of whether it goes from 400 feet, maybe the drop zone goes to 300 feet. So it's a little bit easier. I still want to see someone have to execute the shot that's being asked of them. Yeah. So I think the current thought process here, right. In disc golf is put a drop zone somewhere that makes someone think, right? Cause in your case, you're putting the drop zone 100 feet in front of the tee. So you're, you'd almost be on hole eight, teeing from where the hole was last year, right? Essentially. Yeah, 300 feet. Yeah. And so in that scenario, they don't really have to think. They have to think about the water being in front of them again, but they're just chucking it. There's, there's only one option. There's only one option. Highly disagree. What's, what are their options then? Walk me through their options. Their options, their options might not be like, they're, oh, they're, I'm going to lay. Their options their go options, across the water. On. Hold on. Their options might not be I'm going to lay up or I'm going to go for it. Sure. But if you're telling me they don't have to think, you're thinking way more on that shot. A 330-foot carry shot that you're like, I've already dunked one in the water. If I dunk another one in the water, I'm throwing the same shot. You're going to tell me you're not going to be more rattled to throw that shot than a 45-foot putt that you know you can just throw under the basket, take your bogey, and go? I mean, you're, you're now on 330 feet. You're now saying I have to throw this. I have to throw a great shot to make bogey. Yes. That's way more devastating, way more harder on the player than a putt that they're thinking like, oh, I can save par. Heck, you know me from that from that drop on, on number eight. I'm throwing a scuba and I'm not even thinking about the water. Yeah. I'm throwing a scuba. If I make it, the crowd goes nuts. We get on Sports Center. I'm scuba saluting everyone. And if I miss it, I tap in for a bogey and I move on to nine. Like, yeah, so the decision they were making on hole eight is they wanted it to be a two-stroke swing hole, max, to where if you park it, I throw it in the water, then I go to the 60-foot drop zone. If I make that putt, that's great. Why are we maxing out how bad you can do on a hole? Well, you're not technically maxing it out because if I airball it and sail it into the water trying to run it, then I'm taking more than a four. But if sure. I go, if I mess up, be like, all right, that's as much as I'm messing up. Lay up. I'm taking a four. You parked it. You take a two. But do you – this is where – I think this is where if you have been in disc golf for long enough, you've just seen this. And so it's one of those things of where you don't have like – you don't have a clear like I don't know anything. And I'm just coming in and I'm trying to think of what like what seems reasonable. If I'm just a sports fan, never seen golf before – and I show up to hole eight and I see someone dunk it in the water and then they literally walk all the way around and can putt. I'm thinking, what the heck's going on here? I, that doesn't match up to me. The first time, the first time I saw it, 
was at my third tournament ever. It was a 340-some foot water carry hole. I was an intermediate, and the drop zone was about 65 feet looking down at the water on the other side. Okay. I didn't question it at all. It made perfect sense to me because that, once you get over there, you have the option of do I risk it, risk going back in the water? I hate that option. With Crap. that, You're or gonna, do I lay up? You could still have that option from teeing on 300 feet because you could throw it to where the drop zone is. And now you have that. Now, you, now you're put in that same scenario. I, is, I don't like the idea of where if I'm a player, I can stand on the tee pad and I know, hey, if I throw the worst shot in the world right now, the worst score I'm going to get on this hole is a bogey. I don't like that. I just don't like that. But realistically, I like the idea of like, realistically, what? if now one hole that I think is exactly how you've described it, they've had to change it. It's against PDGA rules, which is why it's X major is at USDGC hole 17, right? Yeah. So you miss the Island that really starts getting in players heads because you're staring at the exact same shot, staring down water behind the basket. But on Maple Hill hole eight, if we stick with that specific example, I don't think the second time you go to cross the water, it's that intimidating if you're like 100 feet shorter. It's intimidating in the fact of like, if I don't how, get across, I'm screwed. But how many like, people threw OB last year? I, I mean, I didn't, I, didn't I, don't, I, don't, I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't watch. I mean, I didn't watch coverage last <laughs> the year. The whole reason they moved it back was because... too many. There's too many threes and twos, threes and twos. Yeah, there wasn't scoring separation because everyone was at the top of the field, probably 90%, I made that stat up, were getting across... And having a look at a two, missing it, taking a three. And so from that shorter spot, it's just a hyzer over the water. So a top pro, he's not really thinking about that. A top pro, I think if okay. I'm Paul or I'm Eagle, I'm thinking of do I run this 50-footer a lot more than I'm thinking of a 300-foot hyzer okay. across the water that has no chance of going in. Let me give you another scenario, though. Another scenario real quick. It's not an island hole. It's a par four. Let's go, let's go memorial hole number two. Okay. okay. Memorial hole number two. Par. Now your dogs are going nuts. We got dogs all over the place. Hole, hole, hole two is a par four with water all down the left-hand side, and the basket is pretty tucked on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. If there was a drop zone for that hole, okay, so like if you go in the water on um, – and again, you can just have like a spray paint line or something that says like if you go in the water past this line because obviously if you go in the water on your tee shot – you should be going in a drop zone on that hole. Yeah. But for your approach shot, essentially, is what you'd be doing. If you go in the water, you go to drop zone, like where you're throwing basically back at the water. So you're you're on the right hand side throwing back at the water. You're telling me right now, knowing that players that that's not going to cause issues for players because they're now in their head thinking, if I go in the water, I don't have a thirty footer for par anymore i have to now same thing hole one hole one's a perfect example on memorial a lot of guys go in the water left of the basket and then they have a five footer for par if you if you made that hole to where the drop zone of whether or not you cross inbounds because that's the other thing that we're not even talking about is think of how many times that because the way the disc flies Mm -hmm. it is very hard very very hard to be able to tell whether or not the disc crossed or not. And I don't even know if we want to get into the Kyle Klein thing right now oh. where that cost him 
strokes, but that you had a drop zone. Okay, you had a drop zone. You don't. Am I? Am I there? You're there. You're there now. I'm back. Okay. If you have a drop zone, you 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 take away this whole notion of like, oh no no, I think I think my disc crossed right by the basket. That goes away. It doesn't matter if it crossed or not. You're going to the drop zone. Yeah. Kyle Klein's was a different situation altogether because his disc, the whole issue, they did have a drop zone. He went to the drop zone, played from it. The whole issue was his disc was in bounds the whole time. His disc never wasn't out of bounds. That was that whole issue. So it would have um, been it would have been the opposite if his disc was. If his disc basically like yeah, if his disc never crossed in bounds, or if his disc disc if his disc did cross in bounds, he could have taken it there, but he took it the drop zone. It's yeah. just it takes it takes an element out of the game. I but think there's some holes point, that it's good for. I would agree. I think there's some holes like hole 17, yes. like like hole one at Memorial. I agree with that because I've always thought hole one at Memorial it, it was it's very so silly how one player gets three feet farther over the land and still threw a bad shot in the water but gets to advance yes. up to five feet, whereas the, the player, the first player never did it in how it goes to drop zone. I think that's a very stupid thing. So I think a hole-by-hole hole basis, sure. But I think in general, there are going to be times where putting players at like 60 feet after, and I think hole 8's a great that's example. Not make it, that's not making it harder, though. But that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying is for a player of my skill level, making me cross the water a second time from 150 feet closer is way harder. 100% agree. A yeah. player of the top skill level, I don't think that's way harder because now well, they, no one, you're no taking out but, the decision. But the thing is, Hunter, no one, no one's saving par. That's the thing. You have to, you have to throw in from 300 feet to save par. So but, you're basically but no saying one's, probably you, no one's double bogeying. Oh no, no, you could. You could. You could. I would say it's you're more likely to to throw that 330 foot shot out of bounds than you are to mess up a 50 foot putt. Is that how there far was that a drop lot of land? Was? There was a lot. Of, it, it could have been more than fifty feet, and there was a lot of land behind. I mean, I the saw final someone, round, I saw, Emerson I Keith think, hit it, and he R- signed Ricky the board. Ricky airballed and still didn't go about. Ricky airballed and didn't go out of bounds. And yeah, Emerson signed it, and he was like number. He was like eight number or nine. six. He was number six. Okay. He was the sixth so person that whole day that saved par. That's fine. That's still six people that should be getting a stroke higher than they did. All right, we'll, we'll agree to disagree here. I, I think, think the people I think at home. I agree with know. you. I agree with you on a hole by hole basis. What is the harder disc golf? On a hole by hole basis, I agree with you. I think there's some cases where the drop zones should be. What if as what are. if you're really what if you're a really good putter and you suck off the tee? There's a lot of people that come to mind. You're giving these people way bigger an advantage by making them not have to ever execute a shot because they can just save their putt with a stupid drop zone. All right, <laughs> um, let's let's move in. To uh, let, we'll go. We'll talk a little bit about the the flag bearers, if you will, the spotters. Okay. Um, with the flags, and then we'll go into the eight holders because I know you want to talk about that. Yeah. So someone brought up a, an interesting thing on Twitter again at Debate Night Pod. If you want to follow us on Twitter right now, they basically said, "Hey, what's the situation? What do you feel about these flag guys?" Okay. The green flag for inbound safe, the red fa- flag for out of bounds. What, what are your feel like? What do you think about these guys? And what they were talking about was specifically hole 18 at Worlds. Mm-hmm. We all know that guy that was just going nuts with the flag, running around, and then also hole eight at Maple Hill. There were people going nuts with the flag there as well. Um, his question was just like, "What are your thoughts?" 
And this is what I'll say. I think having volunteers, having people come out and help run these tournaments, if we didn't have the volunteers, the type of production that you would be getting at home would be far lower. They're coming out. They're helping the UDIS. Like to have a player do UDISC is insane to me. Mm-hmm. So now that they're having volunteers coming out and taking care of that, that's amazing. And then a lot of these courses, there's a lot of times where we don't know when we can throw and when we can't throw a lot of blind shots. So having someone already down there giving you a green flag, letting you know you're good to throw is saving so much time from us having to walk down the fairways to see if it's clear. So there are so many situations that they are super useful. The question, though, is at what point does it get a little out of hand? Um, and, uh, you know, again, I, I probably will not have the the most popular vote here. But, like, I think if you are a volunteer in that regard, you almost need to kind of remove yourself from the excitement as much as you can. Same thing as if you're a U-disc scorer, if someone makes a big putt, you probably shouldn't be, yeah, you probably shouldn't be going nuts as you're putting in the birdie. I think it might be the same. And again, I will not, I'll probably, most people will probably disagree with me. Um, but I think you should try to do your best to not get too out of control. But that being said, I do love umpires in baseball that have a really good out, right? Like if you get, if you get a third strike and the ump's just like this, like, okay, whatever. But I'm sure we've all seen the clips on SportsCenter and ESPN and stuff of like the crazy umps that are like, yeah, you know, and that, I love that. I love that. So I think there comes a time and a place for it, but I never think that the, the volunteers or spectators or flag bearers, whatever we want to call them, I don't think we should try to like, because his point was like, are they trying to do it to get like airtime? Is it starting to become this thing of like people see it at Worlds and so now they're doing it and now they're trying to show them up and, you know, is it turning into a circus essentially? So I love I love the enthusiasm. I love it. But I think it, it gets to a certain point where it gets more, I don't know. There's going to be a line, right? At a certain time, there's going to be a line. Um so we'll see. I thought it was an interesting thing that, that he brought up. Yeah, I think so. Hole 18 at Worlds, I have no problem. Because what are you going to do in that moment? You're losing your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Well, someone, should, he, should he be running down the fairway? Like he was on the green that's running not, around. That's not a question of – that wasn't – he wasn't the only one doing that. That's more of a crowd security question. Like I understand he was a volunteer, so like should but he I be – But I don't think – but like, but, but I don't think that's right now. Like, there isn't anything probably that's telling people like, hey, don't run across the green. Yeah, I, yeah. There's not a standard right now. There's not anything like, hey, you can do whatever you I'm just want saying, in your little area. Yeah, but like, don't do like laps around the hole green. eighteen. I think at Worlds is a unique situation because even if the flag guy isn't running around, the guy in the American flag bathing suit is still becoming iconic and still doing his thing. So like, that didn't lose any professionalism in disc golf. I don't mind reaction there, but that's the thing. I don't mind it being fans. There's a difference between a fan fan and a volunteer. volunteer. Like a volunteer is held to a higher standard than a fan. I would agree with that. It's the same thing. Like if a fan just wants to rip their shirt off and go nuts, 
that's fine. But if a volunteer is ripping their shirt off, uh, you know, doing U-disc and like waving around <laughs> their head, you know, I, that's that's where there's there's an issue. Yeah. Now, hole eight, from what I saw, it was almost like a show. Um, yeah. Where it was like if I didn't, I I, only, I didn't get to see hole eight enough to know if this is actually what was going on. But what it seemed like was like if the entire card parked it, if the entire card made the island, they ran like circles around the basket with their green. They flags were doing. Up. They went back and forth. It, yeah. It was it, it 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 was probably a dad and a kid on it, like a dad and a son, because it was it was a younger a younger guy, um, and and like a young kid, and it looked like when there was a green, they would run across and then run back. Yeah. Now. And, and that's so they're running like thirty feet and then back thirty feet. Yeah. Now the eight holes, so behind the wall, the fans. Mm. If you want to start the wave every time, or you want to. Yep. If you if you want to crowd surf. Go have at it, yeah. Fans, fans versus volunteers. The volunteers in that in that case, I did feel like went a little bit over the board, overboard because like it's not like you saw an ace and you lost your mind. It was four normal shots that made it across the island, and now you're taking screen time and like notice away from the players who just threw those shots because you're running laps around the basket. I don't appreciate like that. I think is too far. I think if you're in the fans, <laughs> if you're in the crowd and you're doing it to where like the camera can just cut off you, sure. Yeah. Like if the camera's not feeling it and the like the pro tour's like, hey, uh-uh, we're not about we're not cut about it. crowd cut surfing. It. Sure, you can't cut away from the basket. Like the no. disc just landed and you got people running laps with pro tour shirts on and a green flag in the air. Yeah. I do think that's a conversation that needs to be had by someone at the pro tour level. Um. But I don't know. Maybe I mean I haven't really looked at the chat. Maybe the chat's saying I'm an idiot or for that. But yeah, I think that's we what, might that's we might be on the yeah we might be on the outside here. Honestly, I, but, uh, I just think that that's something that you're I'm not going to see. I'm surprised you agreed with me. I'm surprised you agreed with me. I thought yeah, you well, I think I think hole 18 at, at Worlds is a unique situation because let's say that guy was told you're not supposed to run across the fairway. When that shot's going in, the rules go out the window because yeah, something incredible sure. just happened. But you know, but still, the guy was running. I mean, when I mean, I was not in contention at yeah. all. And when I threw a good shot on hole eighteen, he was he was running down the fairway and running around. Okay, so then that in it that wasn't, case, it, that's bad. it. Wasn't just because of Conrad. Now, obviously, just, he might I have done a little bit crazy. I just noticed it no, no, no. because of Conrad. So running, I think I, running across the fairway in a way that draws attention to you and off of what yes. the players are doing is bad. Yeah, it's almost kind of like the ring girl is like in the fight when the fight's happening like waving around round two yeah like we all know it's round two or like in tennis imagine if the ball boys instead of just sprinting across and getting to their position like stopped in the middle and did the worm yeah did something across the middle of the court to where everyone's just like what what the heck just happened you know like you're not you're not the what i'm here to see going on yeah i i don't like it i was I was laughing a little bit because I, I have I have now memories coming to my head of when I've thrown shots that are so far out of bounds and you're just you're seeing it land in the water a hundred feet and you just get you you get the guy waving the red flag at you and it's like, Yeah, bro, I yeah, I know I it's see. in the water. Thank you. I understand. I, I know that that pisses off some people. I, I always think it's hilarious, but I've definitely have played with people before that get pissed when they get the red flag when it's like blatantly obvious i think the flags red and green when you're calling something inbounds and out of bounds is simply only the only time it should really be used is if it's stroke and distance which is never the case in disc golf 
or when there's a drop zone. See, now that's another interesting thing I've never really thought of is these spotters like, well, are why do officials. I need to know, so like, why do I need to know whether or not it's inner bounds until I come up there? Yeah, I, can, I can walk up there and tell whether it's not. The spotter it, is it, not an official, so he's not making a call. So what he should and, be doing is just marking where the disc went out if it went out so that when you get or, up there. Yeah, or letting you know when to throw, like if it's a blind tee shot. They shouldn't yeah. really actually be even calling in or out because, again, on live coverage, that kind of takes away a little of the uh, suspense because if a disc goes and it's kind of close to out of bounds, now you're talking like, is it in? Is it at? You can go to Terry. Terry, we don't really have a great angle as it. Are you able to walk over there and see what's going on? But if you got a guy waving a big red flag, you already know it's out of bounds. No suspense. All right. I've never thought of that. I've never thought of that. Well, um, I, I, I want to stick on the eight holes oh, eight for a holes. second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. So the eight holes. I see the red flag a lot. Yes, I see the red flag a lot. That's funny. The eight holes in disc golf, if you're not familiar, basically it's the fans that surround hole eight at Maple Hill. They become iconic. They're this whole fan group. It's kind of like the Cam and Crazies of Duke basketball. The eight holes are to MVP Open. So they're always there. They're always loud. You always can expect them. This year, however, it seemed like they were extra loud. Right, And so on coverage, you could pick up on some of the holes like hole five, six, seven, and even some holes after. You could pick up the eight holes making noise. Uh, I have heard where some players expressed a little bit of frustration because they felt like they were getting razzed or whatever you want to call it yeah. when putting or teeing off because of the eight holes making a lot of noise. I think that this is kind of the future of Are the way— Are you calling them eight holes or eight holers? Eight holes. They're just called eight holes? That's what I've always heard him called. I thought it was like it was a play like, on the like a hole, eight hole. Oh, okay. I didn't. I couldn't tell if you were saying eight holes or eight holers. I've always heard him called the you, eight holes. If you say eight holes, then it, the play on words that makes sense. Okay, uh, continue. Sorry. So I've always thought, and I still think that the way they are currently spectating at the MVP Open is yep. the future of how disc golf spectating is going to work. Not yeah, everyone's going. Up. Yeah, not everyone's going to be able to follow behind. So people are going to be posted up on iconic holes like hole eight, mm -hmm. USDGC. This would be hole seventeen, and then around the eighteenth green. Yes. Um, the issue where I think this is slightly different from traditional golf, whatever you want to call it, golf is uh, in golf the fairways are a little bit more spread out. So if someone's posted up on sixteen and you're on hole six, you're not hearing them. Mm -hmm. You might hear it really faintly, but in disc golf, hole sixteen and hole six might be running parallel to each other. So I think that's where it might be a little bit more of a problem, if you want to call it that. To me, I think what it is, is if you are playing at the highest level of the sport, you mm -hmm. have to be able to deal with fan noise. You have to be able yep. to deal. Because what are you going to do? Let's say that you got your way. If someone wants the eight holes gone, you got your way. What are you going to do when oh, you're you can't on? Finish that. You can't finish that. No, but let's, say, let's just say that somehow that happened. Okay. What are you okay. going to do when you're on chase card and the lead card gallery is behind you? And when There's you're putting, it's the same putts. time... And yeah. yeah, that's the same time they're cheering. Yeah, The exact same thing's going to happen. You're not getting away from it. So I think it's kind of a silly debate that's even gotten brought up, but it has been brought up by quite a few people because of how loud they were being. So this, this is what I'll say. I'll say um, this is good. This is good. Like The fact that you have people there being excited for something, this is what you want. Um, and just to give you kind of a an idea on like scale basis you have hole one at uh ddo which is the emporia country club that is a drivable par four 
in golf. Hole one, like the actual golf hole, is a drivable par four. Super short par four. And in disc golf, it's one of the longer par fives we play. So that just kind of shows you the scale of like what it – I mean we put 18 – Emporia feels massive. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like a huge course. And I think we only play on nine holes in golf, yeah. on a golf course. Yeah. So it is definitely bigger. Um, but, you know, hearing the roars live, I mean, I loved it. I loved being able to like watching. And, and that's something too where I think you're going – where live is superior to, to post is when you hear the roars, which I don't know if they will hear them as well with like the, the sound – because I do think they have better sound in post-production. But if you do hear the roars in post-production, you have no idea what that was for. And you will mm-hmm. not know. Yeah. Where in live, you have the potential of them being like, oh, did you just hear that roar? Check it out. This is and what just like, happened over on. Yeah, it's like Austin Hannum just threw the nastiest forehand ace or or blah, blah, blah. Just or Paige just made a huge putt. Like you'll be able to see that. So to me – any of these people that are coming out saying like the roars of the crowd affected me buckle up bucko because yeah, this it's going to get this worse. This is just the beginning. It's going to get, yeah. Like you potentially, instead of having one hole, like number eight at MVP, you could potentially have, uh, you know, at USDGC, you could potentially have like six holes yeah. that people are just posted up all the time. So this is good for the sport. It's exciting. And if anything, like as a player, this should be something that should be motivating and really getting you hyped up. Versus well, it should also be something that it, it should also be something that people are excited for because let's say you had an early tea time, like let's say I was playing this event and I'm teeing off at yeah. eight a.m. or hey, nine a.m. Still, I have people watching. I have people watching me on hole eight still. I get to throw yeah. in front of a crowd. That's sick. You know what I mean? Like, I, how dare I if I'm on hole seven and I miss a fifteen footer because they roared in my back like going down. That should be on me. That's not on them. You know what I mean? They're out there cheering on and really making this event so unique and having that that, like, I just don't understand people getting upset over it. I mean, I can understand if, like, I missed a putt and I'm in, like, in contention and I'm like, oh, my word, it's because they yelled at my backswing. I can imagine, like, Mm -hmm. the initial, like, dang it. But you can't Mm -hmm. realistically be like, that's ridiculous. Someone needs to get on them. Like, no. They're, they're They're cheering for disc golf. I agree completely. Um... All right, we're moving over to uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour tweet that they had. Now, I wonder if I shared my screen, could I potentially pull this up? Oh gosh, is that is that is is that that catch you off guard there? I mean, you can go for it. We can try it. Trying to get freaky. We can try Uh, it. I'm always down to try something. Share screen. We're trying something new. Here, I'm gonna put it on my camera so you can get it pulled up. And if it's pulled up, you tell me if that looks good on your end. Uh, yeah, you can. We can see the text. You can see it. Uh, can I like change it to make it? Oh wait, what if I do this? Change the change the aspect ratio of it a little bit. What if I do that? There we go. Oh my gosh, I'm a genius. Okay, so here we go. We've got this tweeted out. I I don't know when this was. I think this was sometime a couple days after Delaware. Um, and it. I'll read it out loud to the uh, listeners at home. It says, Katrina Allen has played two of the highest rated rounds of her career in 2021. But which one was better? 1042 rated Jonesboro or 1030 rated Delaware? And I believe my response to this tweet was, um, 
Definitely are. Okay, stop sharing. Let's see if I get back. And you're back. There we go. I'm back. I believe my response to this was a pretty sarcastic one, obviously. Um, you guys know how I feel about ratings. I was like, shouldn't is I was like, is this a trick question? Because shouldn't the 1042 rated be a better round? Yeah, I mean, if ratings if ratings work but, the way we've been told they work, well, how is this a like how is this even up for debate? That's my that was my thought. I will say, I think. Oh, here we go. No, 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 no. I think the Pro oh, Tour yeah. is taking a stance of the U disc rankings being a lot more serious than ratings. And so, I haven't heard much about ratings, and I. That's love what it. I'm saying. Every single it. broadcast, what I'm hearing is so and so player. He's currently ranked number blah 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 in the world according to UDisc. I haven't heard unless it's been a stat about this specific round. I haven't heard so and so's whatever rated. I couldn't tell you who's what rated right now. Yeah, or they finished they finished the round and they're like they shot a 1080 rated round yeah, versus which, saying like actually they shot eight under par or whatever. Ratings it is. in that scenario as an additional. No. A, I mean, I'm I'm okay with them a lot more in that scenario than using it as the main way we compare never. players. I will never be okay with them. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, as a stat, I'm okay with it a lot more than as the stat. As like an give additional me bonus. Else. Give me give me when what their it, uh, putting percentage it, was. Give yeah. me what their give me what how many birdies they had. Tell me that they when you're using it in a tournament. Part. Why not just say the score? Like if you say Adam Hammond shot a 1090 rated round. Just tell me it's a 50 because we're all talking about the same tournament here. So like saying, no. saying he shot a 50 compared to Paul's 58 or whatever it ends up being, that it's means just as much to me as a, a rating in that scenario. But they have been taking the stance of a lot more ranking heavy. So I think that might be where this is coming from is like the slow denial of ratings by the Pro yep. Tour. And also a lot of players, I don't see it as much on the social media, which, hey, if you're, if you're, if you're a pro listening to this, two thumbs up, man. Two thumbs up. I'm, I need to start making a, a shirt. Pros, pros against ratings or um, – no, that doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll, I'll workshop it a little bit. But maybe we need to have a, maybe we need to have a shirt. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. And this tweet is a perfect example of – well, they were what they were also using. I think it was the pro tour put out another tweet about the MVP, and it was something along the lines of who had the best round ever at Maple Hill. And it's like, here are the highest rated rounds. And it was like Paul's 45, Ricky shot like a 46 or 48, and it showed the rating next to all of them of like the highest rated rounds. And it's like, if ratings work the way everyone says they work, then the highest rated one's the best round. In this case, yeah. it, it probably truly was because Paul's 45, I think, can be considered top three rounds ever. Um, yeah. but at the same time, I'm like, why is that a question? If ratings work the way we've been told ratings work because ratings don't work. Okay. Moving on. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about how it seems that the disc golf pro tour or tournament directors way of making scores closer, right. To where you don't have a tournament where the winner of MPO is 30 under par and the winner of FPO is three over par. Mm -hmm. the, the way of combating against that to try to make scores closer is to simply by changing the par. Yeah. So it's a par four for MPO. It's a par five for, for FPO. The T pads don't change at all. They're, they're playing the same exact hole. 
they just get one extra throw. I'm going to first off tell you that I think this is absolutely terrible. Maybe you agree. I do you agree? Somewhat, somewhat. Agree. I feel like this should be this should be like I feel like this should be a quick topic because this this one seems like a no brainer to me. I I agree that the principle of making it easier just by changing the score a it doesn't actually make it easier because your overall score is going to be the same. Uh, B I don't think that's the right way to do it, but I like the motivation behind it of trying to get the scores closer because I do think it it sometimes can be crazy of. Like, let's, let's just say, sticking with this week, Adam Hamm is, oh my gosh, he won the tournament with, what was it, 22 under par? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, what, what cat shoot to win? You're like, four under. It immediately sounds like cat didn't play as good. Which, I mean, yeah, if you look at it like... Yeah, that's the problem with them playing the same tournament. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. It looks like Or Kat same didn't, courses, sorry, same courses. Yeah, it just looks like Katrina Allen wasn't as impressive that weekend. Mm-hmm. And whereas, if, if she also shot a 22 under then you'd be more inclined to go watch that tournament because it doesn't sound like Adam Hamish just beat her by 18 strokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, even though, like, because FPO played easier layouts, all of that, but you should still factor in some way of the scores getting closer because Katrina Allen was the only player under par at the MVP Open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's another issue. Like, at the end of the day, I understand, and every time I bring this topic up, I understand that scoring is relative and, like, how far under par or over par doesn't actually matter because you're playing against the field. But, but the, the problem f- is you're playing, you're not only playing against the field that you're in, you're also playing against the MPO players. In that so in you can, case, yeah. You can literally look, people can, what did Adam finish at? Do you, does anyone remember? 22? I think it was 22 under. 22 and Cat finished at three? I think it was four. Four? So they played, I think they played roughly the same tee pads, but there was definitely a couple tee pads that were closer. So they played easier holes. Uh, a couple holes were easier, and I think their par was a little bit higher. I think one hole, like hole one, I believe, was a par five for them, and it was a par four for MPO. So the the, the issue you're going to have when they're playing basically the same layouts or an easier layout and the scores aren't matching up, you're going to have people compare. It, it, you're just going to. You're going to have and say, Whoa. like, Cat would have got – what like 78th or that's 80th not even, in the that's not even, field? That's not even the big thing to me. The big thing to me is oh, I thought that's what you were talking. About. Well, it's it's the same similar idea, but the big thing to me is we want to draw more attention to FPO, right? That's been yeah. the Pro Tour has tried to do it. You know, the Disc Golf Network tried to do it. Everyone, that's a common goal of trying yeah. to draw more traffic and attention. I don't think that having the the pars be this far away from each other, the scores, is how you do it. Because when if Cat shoots the round of her life at a one over par because of how the pars are set up, and then you have Adam Hammes shooting uh, eight under par, Cat's round immediately doesn't sound impressive, even yeah, if that so was the best. About. Yeah, but I'm not saying yeah, I think we're I'm not agreeing. saying directly score wise of like we're putting Cat in the MPO field. No, no, I'm but just I saying think, I'm talking to agreeing. you. Yeah, we are. I'm not. People, I'm just saying people are gonna look to see what. When, when they're playing completely different courses, yeah, you can't. You can't do that. But when they're playing the same course, you're going to have people that are going to be like, oh, look, that, yeah. that person didn't even shoot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. These people over here are doing better. Because I get the, the but, score doesn't matter when it, comparing to the field. But when we're talking about it, if I tell you you've got to watch Paige's round, she shot one over, you're a lot less likely to watch that than if I say you've got to watch Paige's round, she shot 14 under. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, if, if I, I would again say like, if you know the course is extremely hard 
and you know that one over that that's gonna be more about the marketing and stuff of the course and the mm-hmm. knowledge of the course. Yeah. Like if you know the course is extremely hard to where shooting under par is impressive, um, if someone's like, you gotta watch this, the person shot one under, then you could be like, okay, that's impressive. Yeah. So it, it, it is marketing. That's where I'm saying though, if you're like, hey, you gotta watch this, this person shot plus one, and you know the guys over there are shooting nine, 10, 11 under, that's where it's tough sell. But for me, I think even more so, the real reason why I don't like changing par is because the holes are being created right now for MPO's distance and taking into account how many throws it's going to take for MPO. By just adding an extra throw, what you're not taking into account is hazards, is trees, is all these things that you would essentially, as a, as a course designer, you would want to say, okay, we want to put this hazard to where you have to throw over 400 feet to clear it, or you could throw 350 feet to stay short and then have a longer approach shot. That's going to, well, for, for MPO, it'd probably be 450 and 400. If you just made that from a par four to a par five, you're taking out that whole, you're making that hole completely different because most females aren't going to go for it. Mm -hmm. So everyone's going to be laying up versus moving it up to where now for maybe FPO, it's 375 to clear and 325 to lay up. Now you actually are having, giving them the option. So for me, that's where I think it's a real disservice uh, to the FPO field. If you just go in and you say, okay, well this obviously this hole's way too hard for them to play back here as a par four. Let's just make it a par five. So that's where I think like you're taking out the whole course design yeah. at that point. And that's why I think it's a disservice to the FPO. I think the FPO um, should be playing holes and courses that, that are suited for their distances and their games and not simply just, okay, they're going to play the back tees, add some extra strokes for them and, and everything will be better. I, I don't, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair for them. No, no, I, I completely agree. Um, all right. Final thing real quick before, I don't even know if this is a debate, but final thing before we jump in, uh, to some calls. So if you guys are listening live right now and you are a part of our discord, uh, jump in the, what, what are we calling that green room? Is that what we're it calling is it is the debate yeah. night green room. Yeah, jump in the debate night green room right now over on the Discord. And if you're and, if you're not a part of the Discord and you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you want to be a part of it, you should check the link. It should be in the pro, in the episode description. If you're listening here live on YouTube, should be one of the top links in the description down below. Uh, just Discord.gg/slash/foundation/discgolf. You can go ahead react to the member role when you get in there. If you I believe you still have to do that and then pop into the debate night. Uh, green room and we will drag you in when it's time to get you live on the show to ask some questions so i'm gonna while we wait for people to kind of get into the the green room here i'm gonna ask well not ask i'm almost gonna declare what should be done declaration yeah i'm gonna make a declaration with some of these stats that we're doing guys because some of these stats are absolutely mind-blowing to me and i'm just gonna talk about one we might, you know, I might read some comments and, and see some tweets and stuff and, and bring in some more on on future podcasts. But the one I'm going to talk about right now is fairway hit. Mm. Okay. Fairway hit. I hate to break it to you, but if you're playing a course that's a par 54, so 18 par threes, your fairway hit percentage 
is going to be a big fat zero. Why? Because there are no fairways on a par three. The only stat that you should be getting off the tee on a par three is whether or not you landed in circle one, green and regulation, or circle two, green and regulation, or you you didn't get in the green. That's that's the only stat. So this whole this whole idea that you could just like rack up fairway hits from essentially bad shots uh, baffles my mind, and I think it's a stat. I think fairway hit percentage could be a really really useful stat if if used properly. And right now it's not being used properly, and so it'd be very difficult. You would have to go back and watch someone's round or or go from hole to hole. To, to get an actual sense of what their fairway hit percentage is. Because if I can just throw a disc 50 feet off the tee on a par three and it land in the middle and my U-disc person is saying fairway hit, I, I don't like that. I don't so, like that I'm getting, I don't like that I'm getting a, a fairway hit for that. The question I have then is, are you, I think it's more, to get, I get what you're saying. Um, I think it's more so on the U disc back end because at watching at home, if you're on a par three, let's say it's a 380 foot par three, you throw a decent shot 300 feet, mm-hmm. you're dead center cut. You're mm-hmm. saying that shouldn't count as a fairway hit towards your overall stats, but towards the U disc live, I at home should see you're on the fairway. So this is what you could do: you go miss green. So basically, this is what should happen after you, as soon as someone throws off the tee on a par three. What should pop up is, did they hit the green? Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you check yes, then you can say C1 or C2. Okay, and if they didn't hit the green, then you check no, and then you can say basically uh, fairway or off fairway, and then after you check that, if you hit fairway, it goes away. So it literally just says miss green fairway. So you as a viewer at home, you know it's in the fairway, but they're they're not on the green, right? If, because if it just says fairway hit, also you have no idea how far away it is. So yeah. we're not taking away that or taking. It. But one thing you can add is you could say if they miss fairway, you could say uh, off fairway left. You could say off fairway right. You could say in a hazard. You could say OB. Like there's a lot of different things you can do. But the whole idea again is just statistics and sports are massive. Massive, like people love talking about stats, and I would love did to have. Did you more... did you look into U disc much to see like is this already so I, happening? Like, is, so are looked, they counting fairways hits on yeah, par threes? Yeah. So basically, what I did to make sure is I checked Paul's uh, fairway hit percentage, and I don't remember exactly what the number was. Let's just say it was like seventy percent, and then you can actually click to see how many missed fairways he hit. So it said he missed eight fairways. So all I basically did was 54, assuming, right, that um, – and again, this this could be – it could be weird too because like I, this might be a question for you, Dis, because now that I think about it, there are par fours out there. So are they counting – Two they fairway hits? Also counting, yeah, could they count two – like how many fairway hits is max? Like if I'm just throwing 50 feet down the fairway, am I getting fairway hits each time? I'm not sure. There, I, I was out? asking this because we have some people in the chat um, saying that on par three, U-Disc's fairway hits are circle two right now, circle two and in. 
So that's why I didn't know if you if you like had a way to double so you're check getting, that. But you're getting a fairway hit if you throw it to circle two or in? I still don't like that. I still don't think you should get a fairway hit. Literally just be for par three, a fairway. Like par fours, you get an attempt at one fairway hit. Par fives, you get an attempt at two fairway hits. Mm. That's like definitely you, gonna take some developing to to figure that out if they if they see necessary to do so. Because because what you're basically doing is you're basically doubling up a stat, right? Like your green and regulation and your fairway hits are getting doubled up on those par threes. Yeah. Right. So I I don't I think you get a fair I think you get a fair uh, a more fair stat is if you look at simply just did you hit the green or did you not in regulation and then on the par fours and par fives that's when you can actually hit fairways and and go from there but that's all i'm going to say about that i think we bring in some people for some calls see what see what people have to say because i'm sure some people would disagree with what we talked about yeah yeah let's do it also while you're bringing in someone for those listening as well any topic is is up for debate so whether it's from a previous podcast whether it's from a tweet that hunter said uh, anything is up for debate. If you want to talk about something that we talked about on this podcast, great. But literally anything is up for debate. All right. Let's go ahead and bring someone in here. We need to have like some polls going too. I Looks wonder like, if you could do that in YouTube chat. That'd be kind of sweet. That would be that would be sweet. I'm not sure if you can do that. Looks like you might still be muted in. Oh, I forgot to deaf it myself. Discord here. Uh. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in Texas Texas Disc Buzz. Let's see what they. I have. love it. All right, welcome to the show. You're live on Debate Night with Brody and Hunter. Uh, if you wouldn't mind stating your name, where you're from, and what topic you would like to discuss tonight. I'm getting nothing. We might get the first no show. Uh oh. Texas Buzz, did you join without a mic? Uh-oh. Texas Buzz. Out of there. All right, we're going to bring on We're going to bring on the next person. If you're in the chat, if you're in our YouTube chat and you would like to uh, if you're in the YouTube chat and you have a good topic, please put your Discord name in the YouTube chat so that I can see and know who we're bringing in here. Um, let's bring in uh, this guy, Golf God. Let's see what he's got to say. Golf God. All right. Welcome onto the show. You're live with Debate Night with Brody and Hunter. If you wouldn't mind stating your name, where you're from, and uh, the topic that you'd like to discuss. Golf God, you're live. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, my name is Brad. I live in Maine. Um, I'm actually a, well, I was a PGA professional. Um, I'm a teaching pro now as a golfer been watching disc golf forever i suck at disc golf but um <laughs> i just wanted to kind of give my perspective on some of the rules that i've had issues with yeah and i know brody you've had some issues with some rulings and things like that in disc golf also in comparisons mm-hmm. um one of the biggest ones that i don't like is out of bounds how in disc golf you basically immediately advance mm-hmm. um so i don't know your thoughts on that where in golf it's stroke plus distance mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I, I was just gonna say, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think disc golf actually has um the ability to get a lot more creative with their uh hazards, if you will. So you know, golf has out of bounds, um, and then they have red hazard and yellow hazard. So they have three different kind of hazards, if you will. Um, and then obviously they have bunkers too, if we want to call those a uh, hazard as well. Um, and I think disc golf, one thing disc golf is missing right now is being able to, uh, you know, use whatever hazard is most beneficial for that course design, for that hole design on that hole. I think right now it's pretty much just like everything plays as OB where you just go up to where your disc last crossed and bounds. And then um, they'll occasionally have drop zones here and there. And then very few times will you ever see a course that actually has what disc golf calls a hazard where your disc lands out of bounds um, and you play from there with a stroke penalty. So you don't actually bring it back to the fairway. Yeah. Some of the things that I found was like when I'm watching it, somebody like Eagle or somebody, you know, that can that can bomb it mm -hmm. you're taking on like a long or short part a short part four that has out of bounds or something and mm -hmm. there's no penalty for them for going for it they just kind of walk away with a birdie instead of an eagle yeah <laughs> you know yeah no that's my that's my big thing with it, is the beauty of some of the golf holes like some of the best golf holes have that perfect match of risk reward of where yeah. If you pull off the shot, you're going to gain a stroke on the field. If you don't pull off the shot, you're probably going to lose a stroke on the field. And so you're sitting there with that decision. Disc golf, there's a lot of times where it's like it's a no-brainer. I'm going for it because if I pull it off, I gain a stroke. If I don't pull it off, I'm not losing anything. So that's that's where I think we are missing it a little bit. And I think the more kind of – tournaments happen and the more players are getting better and better i think this is something that will kind of get worked out and then the other question i had was just from like uh i guess a general disc golf versus golf standpoint is it's you know disc golf you kind of just walk up at least the courses that i have around me which i, I haven't been to a lot of them um but you kind of just walk in there's not really uh anything extra on the course it's just a, a disc golf course there's nothing yeah. really that kind of grabs people's attention and keeps them at the you know like a golf course as pro shop locker yeah. room Am restaurant amenities bar, mm -hmm. amenities mm -hmm. um do you yep. and and there's not like local pros that work at the disc golf at some of the disc golf or many of the disc golf courses that are giving lessons or clinics. Do you think that's something that's missing from disc golf or is it just like for sure. localized? Like no, I think, I think for sure. And I think, I think the more, the bigger the sport gets, the more people are playing, the more money that's coming into the sport. I think you'll start seeing people um, try to capitalize on that. And instead of right now where you have most disc golf courses are at parks, like local parks and are owned by, uh, the county or the city or whatever. Um, 
it's it's a lot harder to kind of go and say like hey let's put a pro shop in here or hey let's put a restaurant in here where if it's on private land or someone owns it they're able to kind of do that so i don't know if disc golf will ever get to the level of where you can have as many amenities as you do on a golf course but i certainly think it is getting closer and closer to where the the more played the more trafficked traffic hid courses um can have a pro shop and and maybe that pro shop is what you see at a lot of golf courses that aren't the biggest it's it's just like a portable it's like a trailer a trailer that is converted into kind of a pro shop um you don't necessarily need to build a building or anything you just kind of dump something in there heck it could even be like one of those like storage I mean, HGTV has all those like uh, I'm living yeah. out of a storage unit, you know. Like you can just make, yeah, you can make one of those look nice. So no, I, I definitely agree that is one thing that's probably missing. But you're not going to see that happen at any of the public courses on like the city. That you know, by public I mean courses that aren't owned by a company or an individual. Yeah. So when you talk about like growth of the sport, like how do you? grow the sport without like if you grab a new a new player that just shows up with like a regular frisbee because they've mm-hmm. never yeah they don't know what disc golf is you know how do you grab that player and keep them there and bring them over to watching something like the the, the pro tour you know i just happened to stumble on it on youtube yeah i was just gonna say that simply that the social media side you know we, this was something that we really struggled with ultimate for a long long time because you would have guys that were just the best ultimate frisbee players in the area and so when new people came out and they had questions everyone just looked at that guy and uh over time that guy in a lot of situations were teaching incorrect things you know it's almost like talking about like a, a it, it and this is where i this is where i say like the social media and getting getting it more exposed to people because if i went to a basketball court for pickup basketball and i started telling people like hey when you shoot your jumper you want to pull it behind your head and then release it with both hands if i started trying to teach people that they would they would think i'm insane because they have knowledge and have seen the best shooters and they know what a, a good shot in basketball looks like when you're playing ultimate frisbee disc golf sports that maybe you've never seen before you're going to just listen to someone that's better than you. And in some situations, the person that's better, better than you might be telling you something wrong. So I think until the sport continues to grow and continues to push, continues to get the coverage out there to where you know people like you, I, I saw it on YouTube, you can see really good disc golfers on YouTube, on the Disc Golf Pro Tour Network, on wherever it may be, and you'll have a much better idea of the game. So, Yeah. Hopefully that answers your questions. Yeah. We appreciate you calling in, man. Yeah. Take it easy and enjoy, enjoy that main weather, that nice, cool main weather. Did you know, Hunter, I used to be a camp counselor up in Maine. Did you really? I knew you were a camp counselor. I didn't know it was in Maine. Yeah. It's uh, camp, camp Laurel South. It was an unbelievable camp. And this is, uh, this is the only thing I'll tell you from it. You know, this could be maybe potentially a bogey, a bogey bro bro banter banter. um for those that you don't know we do actually have another podcast that's behind our patreon um if you're not a patreon member go check that out but that was a quick plug uh i believe it was every two or three years they got new speedboats 
because they wanted the most up-to-date ones. They Dang. didn't want what they do with the old ones. Want... I think they just would probably sell they just them. Sold them. Yeah, they sold them. That must be a yeah. that must be a pretty sick camp if you're getting Camp you're Laurel South, in general, baby. Speedboats yeah. in general at a camp is sick. All oh, right. I mean, they had equestrian. What what camp has equestrian? The heck? I feel like some camps. I didn't know what here equestrian do. was when I showed up. That's pretty funny. All right, we have this person in the chat, so I know he's gonna be ready to go. We're gonna bring in Skippy. Oh, let's go, Skippy. Skippy, how's it going? Welcome to the show. If you wouldn't mind telling us where you're calling from, what your name is, and the topic that you would like to discuss. Do a barrel. I can't hear Skippy. I can't hear Skippy either. Are you there? You got a mic? What is that game though? Is that Fox? Uh, Fox. Um, it was like an N64 game. I think Skippy was the one. Well, I should Fox. be here. Oh, now oh. we can hear him. Skippy. Sorry about that, you guys. No, you're good. We'll never know. I just, you guys caught me off guard. I heard both things at the same time, and I just didn't realize what happened to me. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, no, my name's uh, Skippy. Um, I am from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was just calling to talk to you guys about one thing that's kind of like been a discussion on a lot of podcasts is like kind of penalizing players for throwing bad shots. And I think one big thing that this kind of comes into play is between wooded golf and the golf courses is finding more creative ways other than just OB to punish on golf courses, like having more hazards, not just around the green, but partway down the fairway, you know, and actually making players not just bomb shots, but like actually have to think about their placement. And if you guys have thought about any ideas like this that the Pro Tour could use more to utilize and make it so where I feel like on golf courses, you do get much more fair, the better shot, you know, gets the better result, but you mm -hmm. do still kind of want to penalize players who can just, you know, pump it 100 feet further than everyone else because that's, you know, kind of goes against, you know, what we want the game to turn into long term. We don't want just people training to throw it far. We want to reward people that have a wide selection of shots. So kind of a lot to pump on you, but feel like, like it. a discussion. Yo, one thing that you said was that, that I like a lot was the idea of like having more hazards like in the fairway. I think that's what you were trying to allude to is instead of just having OB and hazards alongside the fairways of where if you throw a bad shot left or you throw a bad shot right, you get punished, but also potentially having hazards. Um, and this is kind of what we discussed a little bit with me and Hunter of where players now have to make a, make a decision of, do I try to clear the entire hazard? Um, and this obviously probably only makes sense for par fours and par fives, but having something to where players now are having to make a decision of, do I lay up and then throw a longer shot in or do I try to clear it and then have a shorter shot in? So now you're not only putting players on having to throw accurately straight, but you're also having to, you know, have them throw a, a proper distance. And, you know, if they come up 50 feet shorter than they thought, now they're in a hazard and now, you know, they're playing for a par or a bogey. I love, I love that idea. And that's something that, you rarely actually do see, especially on golf courses. Um, they really make it to where pretty much the only out of bounds that you'll see most of the time is going to be left and right of the fairway. Um, I think the Portland Open, one of my favorite holes on that was hole 14 or 15, where a lot of people struggled because there was this long carry. Now, this was a par three, so pretty much if you were going to go for a birdie, 
you you were going to try to co- carry it. But there were a lot of people that just played. Um, this was it was the whole. If you remember, it was the whole that Kevin Jones basically lost the tournament of where he just kept missing the putt. But he played for a three, so he threw his forehand layup out to the left side and then had like a two hundred foot upshot. So he didn't like actually have to try to throw over the hazard. I think that is way more interesting trying to put players in positions to where they actually have to think and there's different options off the tee. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think uh, really quick to add to it, I think part of the reason that this seems like even a discussion that needs to be had right now is because we're just now entering the era of disc golf courses being being designed with the top pros in mind. Uh, In the past, a lot of times what we've been seeing is the Disc Golf Pro Tour or National Tours are being held at courses that weren't designed with pros in mind or with this level of pro in mind. Um, And so what would be challenging to a high-level M or an older pro is no longer challenging to these pros. So now we're starting to see course design kind of catch up, and you're seeing like Northwoods Black, uh, another good one in this area is New London. You're starting to see these courses where they're challenging pros, not because of the sheer distance, but because of making them, like you're saying, have to land in certain spots and have to balance that risk reward of do I go over the hazard or what it is. But I think it's a lot of just intentional course design of thinking through how do I challenge that next level of player and not necessarily how do I challenge the everyday player. I love that. I get what you guys are saying. I see a lot of people in chat talking about just like, you know, the idea of like ball golf courses versus normal, but there's still a lot of like the one thing I kind of wanted to mention was there's a lot of courses that aren't ball golf courses, but still way too much rely people on just throwing it as hard as they can. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Especially on some Mm -hmm. of the par fours. And I think one thing kind of like the Christmas tree hole from this past weekend is a good example of like, yeah, if you pump it far enough, even if you're right behind a tree, it doesn't make that big of a difference because you have a 200 foot flick, right? which even intermediates don't struggle with that much. And so I feel like there needs to be a better way of trying to find like a punishment in, you know, somewhere in like even on those courses where, you know, it's not a ball golf course, but it's still like, and you can't just have every course look kind of like the Delaware. um, I forget the name of the uh, Iron Hill because, Mm -hmm. yeah, because, the, the issue is, is like those courses look nice, but if every course on the pro tour looked like that, like it's not going to appeal to like a larger fan base, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. amazing, beautiful courses because you're switching between uh, tree golf and open golf and stuff like that. But you can't just like reward players. You want to reward somebody who has an overall game and not just specialists on one side and specialists on the other. I feel like, I don't know that's kind of my take on it. No, I agree. And I think, I think uh, if you look at the PGA Tour, there are definitely some courses on on tour where guys just won't even show because they're like, I have no chance of winning that tournament. Um, and a lot of that has to do with they just don't hit the ball far enough. So the PGA Tour struggles with this as well. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think you're going to ever see a situation where every course is like the winner – is the best overall overall disc golfer and i don't think we necessarily want to see that you know i think still having some courses where distance is going to give you a huge advantage would be awesome i think a course that putting is going to give you a huge advantage is great a course that hey if you don't have a forehand or you know if you're left-handed you're gonna have uh or if you're right-handed and don't have a forehand you're gonna struggle 
you know, I think there are going to be these different courses and I think that's, I think that's fair. But I think what your, your main point that you're getting at is you don't want, you don't want it to be a standard where distance is king and the people that throw far have a massive advantage and it doesn't matter where you actually end up going. It's just, if you can throw over 500 feet, you're going to have a huge advantage. And I agree with you there. I think, um, you definitely want to make it to where you're still having people, even if they do throw far, still have to be fairly accurate with their throw. Yeah, that was basically it. So anyways, thanks for you guys for having me. Appreciate it, Skippy. All right. I, think... I, I also learned it wasn't, I don't think Skippy was the person that's told Fox to do a barrel roll. I believe it was Pepe. So apologize Pepe. for all my Star Fox fans out there. That's one game I never um, played on N64. Never you never his, played never Star, Star Fox? Fox? No. What? Played a lot of GoldenEye. Uh, definitely played Smash Bros, Mario Kart. Dude, Star Fox was the I think, jam. I forget what the NBA game was. It wasn't NBA Jam. It was um, um I just been NBA 2000, NBA Live. Mm. Or even before 2000. I don't know. Tim Duncan was in it. That's all I remember. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I think we got time to bring one more person in. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Bring in Forrest from, looks like Forrest from Wisconsin. Hopefully he's not a Wisconsin fan. <laughs> How's it going, Forrest? Welcome to the show. You're live on Debate Night with Brody and Hunter. If you wouldn't mind telling us uh, your name and the topic that you'd like to bring up. Yeah, my name is Forrest, and uh, I just, I don't know how this works in golf. I am a golfer, but not in a couple of years and how they deal with reps and like decisions, because I feel like we're just working towards a, uh, a future where we need video evidence or refs to kind of get an accurate reading instead of having a guy wave his flag. Are you, are you saying that there needs to be more like video evidence of certain things? I don't think that's going to hurt us. And I think that's kind of, where we need to transition to or I think we need to transition to. So I think the main issue with that is just the financials behind it. So the disc golf pro tour right now only has the ability of covering, uh, having three cameras on lead card, two cameras on chase card, and then one camera as like a floater. So they have six cameras currently to think that there would be a, a way for the, like I just think that's so far down the road and potentially not even ever a financial bit a benefit. I don't think it'll ever benefit financially, if that makes sense. I think the amount of money it would cost to get that many cameras, because it would be amazing to have a disc golf tournament played at a PJ tour event where they have all the cameras in place and stuff like, you will you would see like the best live broadcast ever but for disc golf to get to there i don't i i don't know i don't know if i'll see that in my lifetime honestly well brody what do you it's think, so expensive what do you think of if there was camera like footage to be used it being allowed to be used so once you get to the top two or three cards then yeah. footage is allowed to be used not necessarily having to cover everything yeah, so that's where it's tricky is because you're gonna get the you know, you're gonna get the people saying like, Hey, I'm getting penalized or I'm getting an advantage because I'm on a card that's being filmed. 
versus someone that might be in seventh place or eighth place and they're not being filmed. I think that's tricky where you're only doing it for some players and not for others. Um, there's other stuff too, though, of where you could say like, well, if you're on league card, you're going to probably have fans watching. And so you're going to have, you know, we saw, I don't know whose shot it was, but we saw someone, it might've been Ricky. We saw a shot that was going to go out of bounds on a hole and it hit the, did you tweet that out or did Trevor tweet that out? He tweeted out I like did, the, the uh, uh, monopod. It bounced off the monopod, the monopod. and stayed, yeah. stayed in bounds. So like if, you know, if, if Ricky's not on a car that's being filmed there, his shot's going out of bounds. He's probably making a par or bogey. And, that, you know, because his, he's being filmed, his shot hits a monopod, and now he's just got to tap in birdie. So you're going to have advantages and disadvantages along the way. I don't know if you want to increase those by now saying, like, hey, we have video evidence of what's going on. I think a better, a better solution for us would just kind of go to what I talked about earlier about instead of instead of having to have someone be able to tell whether or not your disc crossed here or went here or whatever, if if we added more drop zones to a lot of scenarios, um, that kind of takes away the uh, for those type of shots. You know, I'm not saying on every hole there needs to be a drop zone, but definitely on some holes where it's almost impossible be, to be able to really gauge whether you're not whether or not your disc crossed in bounds though that's where you kind of need to have a drop zone very understandable so so it takes away that whole like you know people talking back and forth right right um what about if they weren't uh, all live cameras however like they're just either personal cameras or i mean a thousand dollar cameras that like somebody on the card yeah i don't i just don't think any other there's no precedent of that in any other sport no other sport is allowing fans to film something with their phone and have that be used again i don't really even know how many different scenarios like i really think the only time this scenario would come up that for disc golf would be whether or not a disc crossed somewhere I don't really know. Hunter, can you think of another scenario where someone having video evidence of it would be useful? I mean, possibly a foot fault or yeah, something fault, along that's those a good lines. One. Um, I think those are kind of the only only ones I can think of, though. I mean, I, I, do we want to... We, we, I think things turn into a circus real quick if Hunter foot faults and some guy taps me in the crowd and says, dude, hey, I got Hunter foot faulting in slow motion check this out yeah i got and 120 the, frames per second it's clear yeah, clear as day i think i think for a lot of these things a lot of these things can be resolved differently and and not having that I, we're not we're not football we're not basketball we're not something that is played at a super high fast thing where the refs are having to try to make the right calls and they can go back and see like oh did the ball actually tip out on this person's hand did his foot get down before he got out of bounds? Like, it's disc golf. It's a very, very slow-moving sport. I don't think we need camera replay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it, Forrest. However, it would be – I mean, it would be kind of fascinating to, like, me roll up to you and be like, hey, man, I'm calling you on a football. I got it, I got I got it right here, here. I got it, got it right yeah, in slow-mo. I've seen a lot of people kind of bring up a similar topic, more so along the lines of um, officials versus players officiating themselves. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there should be, which I think this happens at some courses, 
but it's not fully utilized. I do think that there should be like a standard of X amount of officials spread out throughout the course so that <laughs> if there's something going on regularly on your card and you're not comfortable calling it, you can call over the official and be like, hey, Nico 30 seconds, for instance. Hey, Nico's been taking longer than 30 seconds to putt. I don't want to bring it up to him. Can you come walk these next few holes? And you know what I mean? Like have an unbiased referee type person step in. I do think Pace that's something play. that should happen. Yeah, I think that's Pace something. play as well. I think yep. that's something that should happen. Or if the whole card can't agree, and instead of standing there and debating it for five, ten minutes, same thing. Just call the official over. You decide. I would, I would agree because I would say, especially with how small a lot of these courses are, if you had just like two or three golf carts out there with officials spread out, you, there are definitely scenarios that we have seen where play hat and who knows how many other scenarios there are right because we're only watching three cards yeah for big tournaments you know we're watching uh lead chase and then the second card um is it called the second card that doesn't sound right third card uh chase two if you will um we have seen in just those small little sample sizes multiple times where play just like stops because there's some sort of call that they don't know what to do and they're going back and forth in that scenario if they literally were just able to be like hey can you radio blah 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 to come out here radio you should have someone in a golf cart get there in a minute yeah and then they should have all the rules and know everything they just walk up make it boom and then we're moving yeah i think that's page, that's page also missing the manho at worlds <laughs> it also removes any personal bias or player agenda because like yeah. Where if you have someone walk in, you don't have to worry if like me and you are on the same card and like it's a close call if I'm like, oh well, you know, Brody's a friend, he's in bounds. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, Not saying take, that yeah, does happen. But it might happen oh, it like no, subconsciously even. Like I might just be like, Oh, well, I you know, this guy ticked me off last hole. You're OB, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I don't care how close yeah. it is, you're OB. Uh and that kind of eliminates it by having a third party come in that doesn't have any care in the world as to what we're doing and just is like no that's clear as day that's inbounds done move on or yeah. no that clear as day was a footfall didn't cross blah 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 lots of decisions can be made a lot quicker by just a, someone who's not doesn't have any emotional ties to the moment yep exactly i i agree with that but man this was a good episode i like it you know the season's getting real freaky at this point We've got uh, GMC coming up this weekend, which is, from what I've heard, uh, you know, around some of the other pros talking about it, this is one of their favorite courses, if mm -hmm. not favorite tournaments yep. of the year. Um, I think you got a good mixture playing both courses, so that's going to be real exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who you guys are picking for your dark horse picks on Griplock. I got mine locked uh, in. But I'm also really interested in seeing who you guys, I think, it is getting harder and harder to be able to pick top three. Top like, three. I think it's yeah, it's near I, impossible. My top I think three get weirder and weirder every every week. I was gonna say I think it's probably getting even difficult to for you to even pick like a top five. Like my if top, you just pick, let's just let me just walk you through my top three where they actually finished for MVP. Let me oh, just, here, let yeah, me this just is pull good. this up. This is good uh, because MVP. I thought I thought I was onto something going into MVP. Okay. Let me just okay, pull up the PDGA results here. Did you pick Marweed? I went no. I went okay. Uh, Jane. I went James Conrad win. Ouch. Paul ouch. second, ouch. and Michael Johansson third. Ah. 
Ouch. I was trying to get I, I was trying to get Trevor, with it. Trevor did bash you quite a bit for that pick, and I probably would have done the same. Yeah. He just he just hasn't been on tour. And, but normally uh, normally he does this. Normally he's not on tour. He shows up to the Northeast tour and shreds in it, the wooded golf. But it, it, was that back when there was only like 15 people that were decent on tour? That's irrelevant. So Paul came <laughs> uh, Paul came in 11th. So that was yeah. my pick for second place. Uh, let me scroll for James Conrad. It's not good when you have to scroll. I'm hoping. Never okay, Michael thing. Johansson came in 46th. Okay. Um, I'm really hoping I passed James Conrad. Surely, right? Let me sort by rating here. I thought I thought he I thought he finished like a couple under par. There he is, twenty first. Twenty first. So we went Yeah. My top three went eleven, twenty first, forty sixth. That was my yeah. top three. Not good. And someone someone tweeted I don't know if it, they did if they tweeted at the debate night pod or they tweeted at me, but I responded because they asked like is I believe it was is Ricky not Ricky, it was is Adam and Eagle the new Ricky versus Paul? And the way I responded was like, no, no, there. I don't. I don't think there will be. Ricky, a, the Ricky and Paul days are over. The 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 like, era of dominance in general in disc golf is over, at least for I now. I think it's, yeah. I think just with how the courses are designed and stuff like this, and and this is kind of what they did with golf too back in the day, is like Tiger did have a huge advantage on a lot of courses he played. Where like the masters, they you could talk to people. They like detigered it. Yeah, they made certain holes that were going to be difficult just for him. I mean, obviously it was going to be difficult for a lot more people, but like the idea was like his playing style. It was going to be more difficult, and um, I think you're going to see that even more so because like disc golf. There's just it with how putting is. Like you can get so hot putting. Same like Raven Newsom. Like he was insane putting the first, I think, either round one or round two, and he was jumping up the the, the leaderboard, right? Because I don't think he ended up missing a putt outside of circle two. Like I think he was just jamming everything. So my answer to that is like, no, I don't think it's the new rivalry. I think when Ricky and Paul were kind of going back and forth, I think um, the field was much, much weaker and also – players are getting much much better yeah so ricky and paul were way above the field and the field was like way worse and now the field is getting way better and so everyone's kind of in the mix now and so you're going to have the kyle kleins the adam hammies the andrew marweeds you're going to have these guys that can just pop off there's a lot of people that can just pop off and win and i think that's going to be exciting uh, for everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, what, what that's what's mixing see. it up, is there's so many players nowadays who have the ceiling that if they do it for three, four rounds, they could win. You know what I mean? To where there are um, players like Paul, Eagle, Rick, Calvin that can consistently do it a lot more, but that now there's a lot more players, probably 20, 25 players, that can play at that level for three or four rounds and contend with them week in and week out. We have an intern now, right? Yeah. How busy are they? Uh, depends on the week. All right. Not well, super. if they're not if they're not busy, this is something that I want to know. I want them to go back to the first, let's say, three podcasts from Griplock this season. Okay. And see who you guys picked in your top three. 
and then go to the last three podcasts of this season and see who you guys picked. Because if I remember correctly, it seemed like the beginning of the season, you guys literally went like Ricky, Paul, Calvin, Ricky, Paul, Eagle, Eagle, Calvin, Ricky. We we had those four exchanging, yeah. And then you maybe just moved in Chris Dickerson once in a while, and that was it. And so I'm curious to see like the difference in your first at the beginning of the season picks when you're like disc golf is still disc golf, and now it's like wait a second, things are a lot different because a lot a lot of people are touring now. A lot of good players are touring. Um, that would be so that would be interesting. Things to look are changing. At. Yeah, he'll be uh, in the I office say hammies, tomorrow. So I just want to correct myself. I say hammies. I know that's not the pro- proper proper pronunciation but i have uh i have uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for approval mm. from adam so he, he knows that you're pronouncing it that way and he's chill yeah it. yeah there you go i know it's hamas uh all right i think that's gonna wrap it up for this this podcast thanks everyone for listening um make sure you guys go check out our twitter debate night pod again i am not afraid of throwing out disc giveaways to, to make things happen. So we're looking at our first disc giveaway at 15,000 subscribers. If you're listening here or watching here on YouTube, so make sure you click that subscribe button. Um, let's see what, let's see if we can get a thousand Twitter followers debate yeah. night pod, go over to Twitter, follow it up and uh, drop us a rating over on the Apple podcast app. If you're listening over there and if you're watching here, go over to Apple podcast, drop us a rating. It helps us a lot. We're trying to move up the charts in the sports podcast world. That's what we're trying to do. Trying to get disc golf in there. So we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks all. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next week. This was a good one, man. Do we have like, we, I feel like we need to have like some sort of outro. Some sort of outro. Or do we just like walk off? That's what we do for the Bogey Rub Banner. We just walk off. Okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe every episode I just do like a UFC call out to people to call in next week. Okay. What about that? Okay. All right. So all those people listening that are terrified to come on here and debate me about a topic, this goes out to you. Bring it next week. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. 8 p.m. Eastern, debate night on YouTube. Let's see what you got. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. See you then. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.